Are you passionate about social justice and making a big difference in the world? Today's guest is Adi Shakti, the founder of SoulWork, and she teaches all about how to make a difference that actually makes a difference. Join us. Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. So join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show, Soul Nectar Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is greater than us, to the big mystery beyond the veil, the synchronistic connections that lead us into a greater understanding of ourselves and the world. And I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love having these conversations because I feel like it really opens us up to uh, a a new understanding, a new reflection of the divine that we all are as we have these conversations with different reflections of the divine. And I think we can learn from these things and, and make it part of a bigger fabric of our tapestry of life on earth and in the galaxy. And uh, so today is no different. We have a beautiful soul um, with us on the planet. Adi Shakti is with us. Welcome Adi. Well, thank you so much for having me, Carrie. I'm really, really full of gratitude for being here. Adi has been doing some beautiful work. She helps spiritual leaders passionate about social justice, fine-tune their skills and facilitation so that they can better serve vulnerable communities with integrity and impact. She's the founder of Soul Work, and she has trained a 1,000 yoga teachers in the 200-hour, 300-hour prenatal conscious business leadership and trauma-informed professional focus areas. And she's led retreats focusing on humanitarian efforts in India, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Thailand, Cambodia, Guatemala, and beyond. She's the host of the Soul Work podcast, executive producer of Soul Work, the film, co-founder of Soul Work Jungle Ashram in Costa Rica, and executive director of Shakti Siva, the nonprofit extension of Soul Work. And so today we're going to have a really interesting conversation about the relationship, the intersection between spirituality and activism. How can we be even more potent in uh, what we see in the world and how we want to make a difference? And so I'd just like to start this conversation, Adi, by hearing more about you and how you got into this work. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, grew up in Indianapolis um, and from a very, very young age had a passion for humanitarian service. Um, and so by the time I got to college, I, I went to school in Chicago um, and was at that time working with different organizations that were doing different kinds of work um, with social justice. So we, I was in and out of um, women's rescue centers, prisons, working with the homeless, really getting curious about how it is that I could channel my own personal power as a way to soften the suffering and the burden of others. And so that was really my first kind of exposure into understanding humanitarian work, nonprofit work, and also the problems that can come uh, when we do start to step into being of service to others, because there's so many internal blocks and stories and these issues of, you know, white saviorism um, and this kind of colonial way of being of service that still very much exists in the humanitarian 
uh, world. And so I finished with a degree in social justice and through uh, my experience there, I also became a yoga teacher. And from there, um, I moved to Costa Rica and was working with a nonprofit organization there, again, going into indigenous communities um, and creating programming and, you know, again, seeing all of these issues and was humbled over and over and over again um, with my, even with the best intentions, kind of learning the importance of um, community collaboration and really making sure that these decisions uh, came from leadership within the community, if anything was actually going to be sustainable. Um, and so really when you're doing this kind of work out in the world, it's critical that we're putting our ego aside um, and always being open and curious about how it is that we can adjust um, the work that we're doing to actually be of service to the objectives of the people that we're serving. Um, and so I was in Costa Rica for a year doing that work. I then spent some months in India and continued my yogic study. Um, and from there, started traveling the world. I was in, you know, Thailand, Cambodia, Guatemala, Costa Rica, and, you know, and then to LA, New York, DC, was just traveling constantly, um, working to recruit groups that would fund major international projects. And then we would actually escort those groups to spend time with the communities of where we were serving. And so I had the incredible honor in those years of being in, you know, deep in the jungles of Ecuador with indigenous communities there, being in human trafficking centers um, with a lot of the, the Bangladeshi girls that are sourced um, there in Calcutta for human trafficking um, and really just got a beautiful opportunity to see all kinds of different um, efforts and interna international give back. And so I started to see this gap in the people that were attempting to be of service um, and just, you know, the overwhelm, the um, burning out um, and ultimately the sometimes harm that was actually happening instead of the good. And so I've always been um, curious about, and now, you know, with the business that we started here back in 2014, but really focusing on educating people on the tools to recognize their own blind spots, you know, and so much of that comes from our spiritual wounding, from our own trauma, um, but really providing a safe space to train people that are curious about social justice um, and that are interested about using the yoga practice as a tool for bringing people together and starting with this foundation of the inner spiritual work. Um, and then, you know, from there, starting to making sure that we have that foundation um, as a collective community of being rooted in, in that level of awakening. And then from there, being able to be of service um, in a much more aware and conscious way. Um, so that's kind of been the, you know, the journey up until now. Um, yeah, now we have a beautiful community all around the world of people that are stepping up in different ways um, as entrepreneurs, as leaders of nonprofits, um, you know, people guiding people through spiritual work, as well as, you know, having impacts in their communities. Um, and so, yeah, so this beautiful exploration of, of where um, our spiritual work meets our capacity for, for impact and being of service to others. So. Oh, that's so powerful. I love everything you just said. I, I recently um, was listening to uh, meditation or contemplation from Richard Rudd, actually. He was talking about, you know, this need for action. You know, like uh, a lot of us feel we're seeing out in the world and we're looking and we're saying, wow, like there's some stuff wrong, you know, that or that could be better. Right. And then going, well, I want to go help make that better. 
And uh, the frustration of a lot of people that are in a spiritual path to say, well, what are we doing here, like meditating and all this, you know, we should be active, like we need to go get active and fix it, you know, do something. And the guru is saying, well, you don't know what to do until you know yourself and you don't know yourself yet. So it doesn't, you know, so can you speak a little bit to that? Because I think we all see a lot of problems going on in the world right now that we want to contribute, we want to help out. But like you said, we need to be mindful about, about that we really know what's needed and how do we know that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, we see this um, broken healer, you know, it's a really, really common um, kind of archetype that we see out in the world, you know, people that are um, out with this intention of being of service, but they're doing so because they're comfortable, they're uncomfortable with their inner condition, right. And so there's this common misconception before people are, um, you know, crossing over into this, this practice of, ridding the ego of, of coming into humility, you know, these, these spiritual values that really enable us to be open and to, and, and, and deep listenship. Um, we have this, this block of the belief, um, that our inner experience can be fixed by, you know, changing our external circumstances. Right. And so there's a, a process that happens in our spiritual life uh, where we come to the recognition that we are responsible for our inner condition, that our emotional life, our spiritual life, our mental life, that we are empowered in being able to work through these things internally and on a meditation cushion. And you know, there's a million different practices you know, all over the world that we can go into to kind of excavate whatever it is that's uncomfortable internally. And so when we're attempting to kind of fix the external, when the internal is unbalanced, then we're going to see that replicate into what it is that we're actually doing externally. We're going to create disbalance there as well. And so it is incredibly important for people that are wanting to be in leadership that we're coming regulated. You know, I feel like there's, this can get a really woo and, um, and it's easy to kind of get lost in the theory here, but really what we're talking about is a regulated nervous system. Right. And so when we're coming from a place of anxiety or depression or a lack of worthiness and our nervous system has been impacted by early childhood trauma or whatever it is, you know, in the yoga philosophy, we talk about our chakras. Right. But there's this process of being able to balance and regulate our nervous systems and, and serving from a place of connection to ourselves and, and regulation is going to be critical if we're actually wanting to see more balance and regulation um, out in the communities that we're serving. And so I, I believe that that's you know, kind of a big gap is people are thinking that, oh, this tension, this anxiety, this shame, this um, lack of self-worth that I feel inside, if I only do, then it'll go away. And that's just, oftentimes it's no, we're accumulating, we're piling things on and it actually can make things worse, not only for your inner state, but also for the people that you're attempting to help. Um, so, so yeah, so I think it's, it's important. It starts on the cushion. It starts in our reflection. It starts, um, with having the tools to actually, you know, balance ourselves emotionally, spiritually, energetically, physically, and otherwise. So, yeah. And it's such a journey too that shadow exploration, that inner exploration, uh, you know, because a lot of these patterns, like you, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about, um, you know, we don't want to be, um, uh, continuing, the patterns of colonialization either, right? Mm -hmm. 
And since if we don't know ourselves, that we don't know what's inherited from our ancestry and mm -hmm. from our culture in our belief system and our behaviors and our attitudes about things, if we haven't done that inner exploration, then we're not aware enough about those things to be in service, right? To go into another community without like trampling all over and mm -hmm. opening the wound even bigger because we just stepped all over it and didn't even know it. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. thinking particularly about the race conversation conversation mm -hmm. in the United States right now, mm -hmm. where there's just a lot of things that people of color are saying, hey, you know, like, great, you want to help, but like, it starts with you, actually, like, you've got to become aware of, you know, when speaking you like people who are who are Caucasian, right, who are white or other non non color communities, to mm -hmm. like be aware of like how we are being that's actually creating some of this issue, and has been for a long time with that because we haven't been aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that's really fascinating with as well, because having lived outside of the United States for you know a decade, it's hard to know what it is to be an American until you're surrounded by non-Americans, right? So these, just the way that we are, the way that we think, um, you know, it's, it's until you are able to kind of see yourself from a third party perspective, you know, and that shows up in culture and your mental patterns and your emotional patterns. I mean, most of these things were just kind of molded and then we're not aware of them, but they still perpetuate, you know, and they can still be violent. They can still cause us suffering. Um, you know, for me, I remember like a really, this is a simple lesson, but, you know, I grew up in, um, in schools where, you know, there would be the, the, the desks and the chairs would get to a place where they were no longer usable. And so then they would end up in the dumpster in the back and we would get new chairs. And that's just a simple, you know, that's just a simple solution, right? So I get to Costa Rica and I'm at this school and there's this whole room, you know, full of unusable junk Right. And one of the first projects that I thought of was like, okay, like, let's get all this cleared out so we can use this space, you know, and I remember going to the director of the program and being like, hey, like, I think it would be really good if we got this stuff out, you know, got some new stuff in, like, got some paint, got some this, got some that, you know, and it's like, okay, well, actually, these kids, we're not having the funding that we need to give them the rice that they need every day for lunch. So that's a ridiculous idea. And two, when something's broken, in this country, we fix it, right? So, um, you know, it was just such a, a humbling and beautiful moment. And even though my intentions were were good, right? But um, it's just a different mindset. And because they're in Costa Rica as well, I mean, you're looking around, it's like you get a new set of tables for this classroom. That means that a family is going to have to go take out a tree right up the block and that daddy's going to have to get out his machine and, you know, and make the planks of wood and all these different things. And so it was a, it's a, just a completely different mindset. And there's, you know, a million examples, but I think that that's just a really powerful one of recognizing kind of the, even with the biggest heart in the world, even with the best intentions, if we're not kind of understanding how culturally um, our patterns can be violent, then, you know, we'll continue to see, you know, these kinds of things perpetuate. Yeah. And I think another one of those, um, underlying belief system or beliefs in our system is that we're and it's really in the in the nature of how we talk about countries right we'll say oh this is our we're the developed nation mm -hmm. and costa rica is the undeveloped or the third world nation mm -hmm. and so there's like this sort of condescension and in, implicit in talking about it this way because like oh, well we're you know we're technically savvy and we're you know we have money and we have this so we're more powerful and we're more wise and we're more advanced and mm -hmm. all of these things yet um 
you know, on the spiritual path, maybe not so, right? Because in some ways, like I've, I've studied with um, some teachings from the Caro people in, in Peru who live high up in the Andes mountains. And, and they have something that I realized as a Western woman that I was lacking. And that was inner peace and connection to the mother earth and connection to all that is and harmony in my family and community and support. I was lacking all those things as a Western woman. Sure, I had my REI jacket and all of my equipment and everything I was wearing just to go on this hike was more expensive than this entire woman's house that, you know, Mm-hmm. but she had some greater wealth than I had. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to also like realize that we need to shift the way we think about things because there's gifts and treasures in the way that different people are living mm-hmm. than the way we're living. Yeah. There's, there's a piece that I wrote actually um, during my time down there, but it was called gifting the grass is greener complex because going into this community, you know, we're teaching, I'm teaching you English. Why? So you can get a better job. Why? So you can make more money. Why? Right. It's this like, because that's just the sick mindset that we have in terms of what will actually make you happy. And there's this, one of my favorite little stories, a little anecdote is a story of a, of a fisherman, you know, that he goes out every day, he catches his fish. Um, and he, he works about, he goes out in the morning, he comes back, he's there about three hours, you know, he comes back, he sells his fish and then he goes home to his wife and kids and he has this beautiful, peaceful life. And then there's this American man that comes to him and he's like, oh, he's like, well, you, you know, you, here's what you should do. You need to work just all day, sell this fish. And then you can hire a couple of people that can go out with you. You can get a nicer boat. You'll be able to go out further. You'll be able to get more fish in less time, all of these things. And you just need to, you know, you will work a few more days a week, but you'll have more people, you'll have more money. And this guy just kind of looks at him. He's like, but then where does my time? No, like for what, you know, it's like, I want this time, that so I, I don't have more time with my wife. I don't have more time with my children. I don't have more time to be, you know, in the hammock. And it's just these, this interesting, um, yeah, value shift that starts to happen. Um, but yeah, but, you know, it starts with recognizing our patterns in culture. And, and like you said, you know, with this whole movement, the race movement um, that's, you know, continuing in the States, it's been going on for a long, long time. Um, but it is, I feel that people now are, perhaps more open than before. I've, you know, I've heard, I know within my own family and communities, more honest conversations um, around being open around bias. You know, I feel like nobody wants to be called a racist, but everybody's a little more open to being curious about their bias, you know? Um, but these things are, this is spiritual work that people are doing, you know, the, um, considering the, the impact that their daily choices and their biases you know, are having on others. And it's, it's really beautiful actually to kind of see the, the burning in a way because it is calling people to have deeper conversations and, and for a wider awakening to happen. Even if people don't necessarily recognize that they're doing spiritual work, it's really beautiful to, to see it happen in this way. So, Well, and I think that the reason why the gurus say that, uh, you know, really stress this, meditate, be with yourself, connect with yourself, open up, is because without that sense of love inside, it is really hard to face these things, um, these awarenesses about our patterns and how they've created um, situations around the world and even in our own communities and families. It's hard to face that when without love, like it's hard to face that when all there is is judgment. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, nobody wants to be called a racist because that's terrible. It, it's like it, it's a label that that harkens uh, responsibility of a certain kind for thousands of, you know, for let's say like 500 years, right? 500 years of responsibility 
towards mm -hmm. a group of people. So mm -hmm. that is a very heavy, heavy thing. But with love, it's made lighter. And with love, it's like it doesn't tear you down for your entire being on the inside. It's more like um, I met my mentors say it's the pattern, not the person. So mm -hmm. when we can make it about the pattern and we can acknowledge it a lot easier when it's about the pattern. And then it's like you're a good person and you have this pattern. You know, mm -hmm. you inherited it. It's been all around you and you can now see it, witness it and change it through choice. And that mm -hmm. would make a better world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, you know, with all of this process that's happening, you know, it's also important that we give space for sadness, grief, anger, you know, because these, these feelings of, of love and happiness and acceptance are, are beautiful and important. And, you know, ideally we're all headed there. And oftentimes, you know, we do see this messy block, you know, of before we're arriving there. And I think that giving people permission to be um, angry, you know, mm -hmm. to be, be sad, to be, you know, to move through whatever it is that they need to move through. Because I think there can also, you know, we have this, um, the threat or, you know, in my personal spiritual practice and teachings, you know, of, of spiritual bypassing, of kind of loving everything away um, without, you know, actually being willing to lean into the shadow. And so in the work that we're doing as well with soul work, you know, so much of it is about inviting in the shadow. You know, one of the first things that we tell people when they're showing up is, you know, all of you is welcome here. You know, even the part that doubts that, um, and so, you know, taking the, the full being and, and honoring the experience and, you know, something too, that's with us is through this virtual format now that we're having to take on in our education, you know, we're having a way more diverse group, um, that's present with us in our trainings. Um, you know, people from all over the world, people from all different kinds of, um, you know, racial backgrounds, but it's been really interesting because, you know, with the crisis that's happening in Peru or the crisis that's been happening in India, um, you know, the, the crisis here that's been going on in the United States, it's, it's kind of easy for us to get into our, you know, our United States kind of centric worldview. Um, and I've been invited consistently by my students, by my fat, my global faculty to, you know, create safer and safer places for people to have these deeper kinds of conversations that are coming from all kinds of different backgrounds. Um, and it's been, it's been fascinating, you know, to see these different dialogues of people that come from, you know, different languages and cultures and countries and skin colors and um, to, to really kind of explore this stuff and, because you know, we're talking about trauma, you know, and um, and it's fascinating because before, you know, most of my students were from either Canada or the United States or Costa Rica, um, but now we really are seeing this um, beautiful collection of people, and I'm seeing kind of a quality of, of relationships. And I know too, you carry with um, you know your summit and and getting these big conversations going. You know, we're seeing this happening in a global way um, that's really really exciting to be a part of. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's really um, listening and hearing without needing to change and fix. I mean, yeah. I, you know, this is such a huge thing for women in general, and at least in the Western culture that I've experienced in the United States is this tendency to want to like fix it and make it better. And mm -hmm. even like being a healer, I have to question myself there, like, do you want to fix it and make it better? Or can you just let somebody be where they're at? You know, this is where they're at. They're having this precious, potent moment. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not, you know, it might feel icky and that's okay. Like mm -hmm. for somebody to be angry and to express that. I just had a conversation recently where a, fr a friend who's a person of color shared, she said, you know, I'm not really wanting to just heal this. Like I want to honor my ancestors. I'm actually feeling this right now. And mm -hmm. I want, I'm wanting to stay in that feeling and honor what my, the women before me went through. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to just like, he you know, heal it and fix it, you know, mm -hmm. and 
So that's really, that was really interesting to me. I thought, wow, that is fascinating. And is that what honor is, is the question that came to me. Is it honor to experience what another ha- is experiencing and let it be exactly what it is instead mm-hmm. of trying to fix it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had when my I remember when my grandmother passed and I was, you know, completely devastated. It was it was horrific for me. And I remember kind of the first morning that I woke up that I wasn't consumed with grief, that I was I grieved the grief because I felt that in some way by not having that feeling that I was kind of losing her, you know, that it was like starting to, to escape me. Um, and then, and, and so that's, that's interesting because I've never actually heard somebody share kind of in that feeling, uh, before, but yeah, but that is something that I, I remember very vividly. I like woke up, I wasn't sad. And then I was sad that I wasn't sad. <laughs> so it's, it's fascinating. This, this, uh, you know, this beautiful uh, spectrum of emotions that we dance through as humans, but that's lovely to hear you share that. Cause that is something that I, that I thought maybe I was alone in <laughs> having that experience. So no, I mean, I think it's really interesting because in a way, I think it is a Western conditioning to forget our ancestors. You know, it's, um, we've had, if I just look at the pathways that my ancestors forged, they, they, it was the westward expansion, right? It was like we, they came from across this, the ocean. Some of my ancestors were Cherokee, but some of them were Celtic. So they came across the, some of them, even the Mayflower, came over on these boats and left the, their, their, land behind the land that they were born and raised on the land that their ancestors lived on the that the trees breathed with their ancestors and they left that and they came to this foreign place and so many people do that in america that's what america's almost created itself to be is a place of leaving behind wherever we were before or who we were as a people and coming together there's beauty in that and there's also loss in that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's interesting. It's interesting to, you know, consider all of these things and this, you know, the collective trauma, the ancestral trauma, the generational trauma, the, you know, the trauma that we've experienced from this individual experience of life. Um, And then seeing, you know, with the the work that we're doing at Soul Work or seeing a lot of different um, leaders step up and and getting curious around what it means to actually start to transform these wounds and seeing that a lot of these patterns of of hurt and abuse and self-hatred, you know, being the the generation where we can, you know, start to, to shift these things. And so I'm seeing, you know, these kinds of conversations are happening all over the place. And, you know, the science is finally catching up with it as well, because trauma up until you know, just about 20 years ago, uh, PTSD, and then before that shell shock, that was just associated with, you know, men at war, you know, it's very, very recent that even with neurobiology that we're starting to understand the realities of trauma and how they impact, you know, everyone. And if we're tracing back the source of people's, you know, dysregulation or anxiety, or, um, you know, depression, whatever it is, you know, oftentimes it is related to these unhealed wounds. Um, and so it's, it's an honor and a privilege to, to be in a position to support people as they're exploring these things, calling them up and being with them through the uncomfortable, you know, so that ultimately we can move towards liberating ourselves and stepping forth as, as leaders that are equipped 
um, to kind of guide others in that in that same healing process. And that's, you know, what we're seeing in, in communities of, you know, coming together. And um, Carrie, I know you speak so much about, you know, women coming together, healing the wound of our, of our, the mother side, the maternal side of our lineage of women, you know, starting to explore what it means um, to be, to be in union, right? To, to start to break these mental patterns of, of competition and isolation um, that, you know, have been a part of our evolution, right? Until now. And now we can own land, we can have a bank account, we can get a mortgage, right? We don't, we don't have to be dependent on the other, which is what really caused, I think, a lot of these um, blocks and the, the women's ability to communicate because um, competition at one point was a, could be, could have been an issue of survival, you know, and so it's so beautiful to see women and leadership coming together, you know, with these values of, of collaboration, um, connection, intimacy, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been beautiful to watch, you know, even just the last five, 10 years, just this incredible shift that's happening. And, you know, now seeing a woman in the white house as well, um, is just, you know, it, it, it's inspiring. It's, it's beautiful to know that, um, that we're given a voice, you know, at that, at that level, um, is really, really, really hopeful. Yeah. There's a lot of hopeful things happening and it has to happen in its own process. You know, I was thinking about what you said and, in this spiritual path and um, this masculine part of my brain wants to force everything down a certain pathway and predict all the steps. And, you know, first step one, we do this and step two, and then it's going to take this much time. And then we're going to just come to this magical realization that we're all one and this is how it's going to work. And it's not exactly how it works because it's this divine feminine process of feeling and sensing and being present and acknowledging. And, and yes, I, I believe that's where we're all going is that realization that, you know, we're unity and diversity. We're, we're amazing and we're all connected. We are realizing that. And it's not through being forced to realize that it's, it's a bypass to skip the steps of the feeling and experiencing the traumas and, acknowledging them and hearing the voices of our ancestors and hear, hearing the voice of our inner child and the things that we all experienced um, up until now. So mm. we're going to get there when we get there. Mm -hmm. Slowly but surely. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Fun. So how do you know as a person, like, let's say, so we just covered a lot about like, wow, people might be going, wow, there's a lot that I maybe need to know about myself before I step into activism. Um, how does a person know that they're ready for that? How does, how does a person know that, hey, um, I'm at, I've reached a certain space within myself that now I could be in service to, to a cause? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And I see a lot of people as well, beautiful people that almost become obsessed with this concept of not feeling prepared enough as well, right? So there's that like delicate balance to strike um, because it is important that you're in a place of balance and being able to serve. And, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're getting started in the work, like it, there is a bit of a process of, of jumping off the ledge eventually, right? I think something that's really, really important is, you know, coming back to this concept of a regulated nervous system, you know, because I think that there's all different kinds of things and ways and degrees and, you know, all different kinds of things that we can talk about in terms of, of preparing the mind perhaps for being able to be of service in this way. But ultimately, if you are coming to this work, and I know initially I did with so much anxiety, um, you know, so many things in my own heart that I was not willing to yet confront um, this, uh, 
the fighting between my, my mind and my heart, uh, grief that was unresolved, sexual assault that was unresolved, um, all kinds of things. And so I was anxious and, and wanting to, and had a strong mind and wanted to act, you know? And so what I saw was that it made my anxiety way worse. You know, I was at a point where I, I still occasionally, not very often anymore, but I would wake up in panic almost every single night. I used to write down the name of the city that I was in and put it on my bedside so that when I would wake up in panic, inevitably, because I did like every night, I would look over and remember like, okay, you're in Tokyo, <laughs> you know? Um, and it was horrific for my heart, for my soul. Um, it was not good. I was not balanced. And so for me, you know, the yoga practices around, you know, pranayama, meditation, and I can still, I feel myself. I mean, I'm a, I, I am, am a fiery person by nature. I tend towards anxiety between anxiety and depression. And I can feel myself starting to move into something like that. But I have tools, right, for, for bringing myself back into stillness. And I, so much of my job is sitting in front of, you know, hundreds of women listening to their stories of, abuse and rape and feelings of unworthiness and um, I mean addiction the list just goes on and on and on and if I were in a place where I was unregulated myself and I'm attempting to support someone else you know I hear this a lot too in the spiritual world it's like oh, I'm empathetic I'm empathetic and people have a really hard time establishing boundaries when they're working with someone because they're not perhaps as strong as they could be in, in coming into into regulating themselves and so I think it's important to kind of recognize what a regulated nervous system feels like, right? And, and that can be done through, through sadhana, through spiritual practice, through meditation, through pranayama, like to know what that feeling is and to really, really prioritize in your daily life um, coming to a place where you are balanced, you know? And it, so it comes through a healthy lifestyle. It comes through, you know, healthy communication and relationships. You know, it's really... Um, it's just really important that we prioritize taking care of ourselves. And I remember too, like way, you know, social workers and everybody's like self-care, self-care, self-care. And you hear that over and over and over again, it almost becomes cliche until you end up like on a hot, I remember one time I'm on a hospital bed with a saline in my arm, you know, cause I hadn't slept in who knows how long and was working my ass off and whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, self-care. Why? Because if I don't self-care, then I can't take care of others, which is probably a horrible reason to self-care. You should self-care because you love yourself, but at the very least know that you have to take care of yourself if you're actually intending to be a service to others. Um, and so I really think that that's the foundation because people even just being around someone with a balanced nervous system is so rare anymore you know, that even just being with friends and family, like they will feel that on you and they want to be around that because it's grounding, it's safe, right? Someone knows themselves, someone loves themselves and it's, it's incredibly magnetic and powerful. And so then on top of that, you know, you can add on skills and facilitation or being a yoga teacher or being a social worker, or being a psychiatrist, being whatever it is, but constantly, you know, prioritizing this work of, of being still inside you know, and that comes through spiritual work. It comes through, through practice, through recognizing your mental patterns, your emotional patterns, and ultimately having these tools, you know, for working, working through them. Oh God, that's a great description. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like as a, as a healer, I see, um, I see lots of different pathways for being a healer, working with the healing energies. <clears throat> and inevitably, you know, the cosmic setup is that there's going to be matching pictures there will be matching pictures and it's how you hold those matching pictures. I think that's the testament to 
where you are in the process, you know, like I've noticed in myself, um, when I first started, if there, when there was a matching picture, I might not be able to separate myself from the other person, you know, and mm-hmm. now it's kind of like, then it got to a phase where I like, you know, the idea is oh, I would put myself aside and deal, deal with this. and I'll deal with that later, which is another part of the process. But then like the final part is like, I'm going to hold myself right here and hold this person too. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, there's a matching picture. I'm holding it all and I'm surrendering it all. So I'm not in it. It's just holding it, witnessing it and surrendering it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's my new level. I don't know if there's a level beyond that. I'm looking forward to it if there is, but you know, this is such a, it's such a, a journey to be a witness for other people and to hold space for other people. And I feel like the best way to be in service that way is what you're describing is you have to know yourself. You have to be able to go to the depths within yourself. You, if you're, if you're kind of like um, comfortable swimming in the shallow end, like in, in a swimming pool, then there's no way you can lead somebody to the ocean. You can't because you haven't gone there yourself. Mm-hmm. So you can only lead somebody as far as you've gone. Like, you know, you can lead them just, just short of where you're at with yourself in your own depth and your own self-awareness and your own understanding. Mm-hmm. That's why this path is like, um, you know, you're not there. There's no there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the big nap, right? And even then, the- <laughs> start all over again <laughs> it's still there <laughs> i kept looking for there a long time like i was like oh, i'm gonna get to top of the mountain and there's top of the mountain i got to top of the mountain oh shit there's another mountain <laughs> okay there's <laughs> no there oh this has been so empowering i you know i so let's talk just like i know we're gonna end in just a minute but i there's one more piece of this that i want to bring in is like this sense of urgency that people have mm. You know, like we see the oceans getting polluted. We see, we see, you know, the icebergs draining. We see the jungles being being burned. We see all of this and it's people starving around the world, you know, animals, endangered animals, more and more and more on the list. And then some falling off because they're just, just, you know, it's gone. Mm-hmm. It feels urgent to be an activist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes as human beings, we have this arrogance that we kind of control more than we do. I mean, absolutely. There is, you know, so many things that we can devote our time and our love to. And I feel like that there's this peace in remembering sometimes how insignificant we are. And I know and believe that the earth will win. (laughs) And if we don't go along with that victory, (laughs) then, you know, yes, we can chalk it up to our unwillingness to make the changes that we need to. Um, But ultimately, you know, I, yes, do what you love, follow your passions, step up, protect whatever it is that's sacred to you, you know, devote your life to something that's important to you, you know, and ultimately I kind of operate under the belief as well that, you know, nature is not wrong. Creation is not wrong. And if there comes a time that we're no longer here because of, you know, decisions that we've made or just a natural cycle that's larger than our ability to grasp, you know, um, you know, that there can be some peace with that as well. Beautiful. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on the show and sharing um, your wisdom with us today. Is there anything that you um, want to offer to people as a starting point for getting started with you? Yeah, absolutely. So just, you can head over to soulwork.com. Um, we have many live trainings starting in March and April of next year, um, both in English and in Spanish, if any of you are Spanish speakers as well. Um, so we have 200 hour yoga teacher trainings, 300 hour yoga teacher trainings, prenatal yoga teacher trainings. Um, we'll also be offering a yin training starting in March and they're at the website as well. You can find our podcast, you can find a film um, that we released a couple of years ago now. There's free education there for you, um, all kinds of stuff. So just heading to soulwork.com um, and you'll be able to see all of our exciting offerings for, for 2021. Beautiful. So I just invite everybody to go check out uh, soulwork.com. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can access it there as well. And once again, you know, if you found value in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, I invite you to share it out, to share it out on social media or share it with some friends privately, whatever feels right to you, because it's by sharing this uh, wisdom as you find it and it inspires you uh, that we all get to benefit, you know, because it gets out there more and more and more. And uh, so I appreciate you as well. And while you're at it, if you're up on iTunes, I would love a rating. If you want to give us a five-star review, that would be welcome. I appreciate that. So we're going to give kisses on the way out. Would you like to join me and give people kisses? Yes. I love giving kisses. Here they come, everybody. We love you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for staying present and engaged. And I'll see you next week on Soul Nectar Show. Here come your kisses. So much love. Aww. Blessings, everyone. Bye. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul Nectar Show. Awaken Take a sip from the drip of nectar from the source of who you are.